0: It's a destination. We are finally here. Let's go. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to another
1: episode of Destination Dynasty. I am your gracious host, Scott Connor at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter, now called X. Just getting back from the Fantasy Football Expo 2023. It is in the books. And that is what tonight's episode is going to be about. It's just going to be me kind of prognosticating, reflecting, talking a little bit about the future of the dynasty space. And I have a special guest coming on next week. Uh, to dive a little bit deeper into this topic, get into some specifics on kind of what the future is going to be like in the next year, next two years, next five years in the Dynasty space. But that's what tonight's episode is going to be about. Before we get into that, all the stuff out of the way, patreon.com slash allgas, check that out. Website launching soon, so stay tuned for the logistics on that. Destination Chill, last night was fire, second episode with Ray, We're really starting to find our groove Uh, Big plans for the show going forward. Going to be moving to Wednesday nights when the NFL season gets here. But we still have a couple Sundays to go before we get to that. And then finally, it was a little rough. We tried to live stream. Myself, Clay, Shane, Dynasty Trades in 5. We tried to live stream from the Expo. Had what we thought was going to be a great setup with Clay live at the booth. And then Shane and I back at the house streaming actually together in the same place. The audio was a little bit messed up, but you know what? We rolled with it. Things happened. It was a blast to finally do my first episode live with Shane in the same room. We really found our groove in the second half of the show. Coming back Tuesday night, Trades in 5 on YouTube. Be there, subscribe, be ready to interact if you want to hear more Dynasty strategy talk. So in today's episode, I'm just going to go and talk about my thoughts about the expo. Just reflect a little bit. Um, I went to my first Fantasies Football Expo in 2019. That was the first one, the inaugural one. It was just getting started, just getting off the ground. And so I really wasn't sure what to expect. And at the time, I was new to the content creation space. I had only been creating content for like a year and a half. I had done some stuff with Dynasty Command Center and with the Flock Network. I had just started Dynasty and Chill, had a couple other podcasts that were launched at the time. But I really was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. In this space, I knew I wanted to talk. I knew I wanted to be able to reach people with my approach. I had just started playing a portfolio. I had just started talking about some of the leverage strategies and pivoting strategies that I talk about today still. But what's cool to look back and reflect is that was something that I really never thought would get to this point. I never thought I would have a passion to get on the mic or get on a stream and just continually talk. And I think that's where I feel the most comfortable. At times, it can be very uncomfortable to think you have something to say and then it just doesn't come out right, or you're in front of a group that you've never spoken before in front of, or you have a new audience, but it's really just being confident in what you're trying to say, being confident in your strategy, your process, whatever your message is. If you're talking about something that comes from the heart, you're talking about something that is passion for you, it's going to come out better than you could have ever expected. You may get nervous. You may not be sure what this opportunity is going to look like. But if it's coming from the heart, people are going to recognize it. People are going to follow it. Even if they don't agree, they're going to at least be able to take on the impression that, you know what, this person actually is doing what they're talking about. This person actually has a passion for what they're saying. And I think you can spot that. I mean, one of the things that I think separates me from a lot of other content creators is I consume a ton of content. I try to consume as much content out there as I can. It used to be that I had a pulse on what everybody else was doing in this space. It's impossible now. But I still try to at least give a listen to any new shows or anything that pops up on the Twitter timeline or on YouTube or on the podcast feed. I'll at least give it a try. I want to have a pulse on what the community thinks I want to have a pulse on what the group think is. That's part of the reason why a lot of us continue to interact on Twitter, continue to read Twitter, even though behind the scenes, you know, we're in Heisman or we're in Group Me saying, you know what, that doesn't make sense. That's a terrible take. I don't agree with it, whatever it might be. But having that pulse, I think, is important. And that's something that I reflected a lot on since coming home from the expo is where is this space headed? You know, is this just going to be continuing with more and more podcasts and more and more channels and more and more sites and just more and more and more. And at what point is that bubble going to burst? And just sitting around this year's expo, it was in the dome. It was moved over to the dome from last year where it was at the Double Tree Hotel. And just for those that are not familiar with it, it was literally at a hotel. So if you can just picture a pretty decent sized hotel. But you literally have an entire conference that is going on in every nook and cranny of the hotel, every hallway, every conference room. Really, any open space was dedicated to the expo, so it was all over the place. This year, they literally rented out the dome that's right next to the stadium, and the entire expo was in the dome. There's a practice field in there. There's tons and tons of space with stages. I mean, it's perfect for an expo, but you just realize just how big it's gotten. And then in the back half of the dome was all the booths, and you see all the creators, all the people out there with banners, with QR codes, with free stickers, T-shirts, things that they're giving away, shocked at how many people this year had flat-screen TVs and laptops, and they were actually showing you their products and their tools and their sites. It wasn't just, hey, take my sticker, take my flyer, sign up for my site here's a business card. You know, here's this, here's that. It was literally display upon display of here's the tool I've built, you know, scan for this tool, sign up, check it out. Or here's the new site that I've launched. It's not just here's the product that I have, go check it out. It's here it is. Here's how you use it. And that just kind of blew me away. I'm just walking through and I didn't talk to as many people as I wanted, only because I had done a lot of talking this weekend, a lot of content. And then I get there and I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna observe. I just wanna walk around and observe. I mean, there's there's a time and a place to shake hands with everybody, introduce yourself, and at heart, and I'm just kinda going a tangent in this episode a little bit, at heart I'm an introvert. I always tell this story that ten years ago, I was the person that would have been scared to get up and do a presentation. When I was a kid, I was a person that was afraid to get up and actually make a phone call to order a pizza. I just didn't want to talk to anybody. And I think a lot of people come from that where it's like I have something to say, but I have to get over that phobia of being just a natural extrovert where I can go talk to everybody. And it's amazing how many people I think come at it from that lens, but they also force themselves to be out there. They get on the mic every week. They record a show every week. They interact every week and every time it's a new experience. And you get an evaluation or you get feedback just from the people that talk to you. You can see the responses in the comments. You can see people say, hey, great show or great topic. Like, you presented that really well. Like, I don't take that stuff lightly when people say that to me. At the same time, where does it stop? Like, what is the end game? I was honored to be able to do the Dynasty panel for the second year in a row. And essentially, we're on a big stage. There was probably 100 people in the audience. The the biggest panel that I saw outside of what I heard the Des Bryant panel was, was the Dynasty panel. Every seat was full. And I'm up there, Rich Dotson, Michael Bauer from Dynasty Rewind, Izzy Alkafos, Dynasty Trade Calculator, Rich Dotson, Dynasty Nerds, I didn't mention that. And then right next to me, of course, my right-hand man, my ride-or-die, Shane Manila, Trades in Five, Dynasty Trades HQ. So us five we We're on the Dynasty panel. And we had some pre-scripted questions that we didn't know, but Garrett Price was asking us in the last like 10 minutes we probably didn't get enough time for Q&A to be honest but just that experience of reflecting like you know what I'm up here with definitely Izzy and Rich two guys that I listened to their content before I ever dreamed of being a content creator before I dreamed of actually having my own podcast or having my own YouTube channel I listened to them like I looked up to them and all of a sudden like I'm up here for the second year in a row on the Dynasty panel. And there were some disagreements, there were some colorful topics that came up that clearly we all didn't see eye to eye. But I had a reflective moment after that when we stopped, and it was like, you know what, part of what makes the Dynasty space, and this is where I was going with this episode, is what does the future of the Dynasty space look like, given that it's starting to become more popular? You know, you can access it on Sleeper, I'm sure there are other platforms coming, whether it's just strict Dynasty or other formats that are going to pop up, where the accessibility is what's keeping the Dynasty space from growing, and I have to give kudos to Sleeper for that. They were able to expand it to a lot more people that really would have seen the barrier to jump into a league on fan or MFL or trying to do one manually on ESPN or Yahoo or CBS or even like contract leagues on RSO. Like All of those had a barrier to where not a lot of people were willing to jump in just because of the system. So with Sleeper, you've taken a whole sector of the community that would have never tried Dynasty that are now willing to do it because of the accessibility. And that's how it's growing. And that's only going to continue. That's one of my predictions. I'm going to make some predictions, and we'll see, look back on two, three years from now, what this actually looks like, whether it comes true or not. But I think we're going to start seeing more platforms similar to Sleeper. Maybe they're niche, but they're going to come forth, and you're going to see more people join this or that, just simply because the barrier to get in is much easier. Now, there's some drawbacks of that. At the same time, if you want to grow the sport, if you want to grow the game, if you want to have more and more and more dynasty players that are not just all the same people you've been in leagues with for the last four or five years. Me, I've played since 2014. But there's a lot of leagues that have been going for five, six, seven years, and they're on MFL. They've been around for a while there's a limited player pool that's willing to join those leagues. There just is. And so when you're trying to pull from that same group that are from that generation, it's hard. Unless you're on sleeper, unless things are flexible, unless things are accessible, it's hard to actually fill those leagues when they have openings. So I think that's one thing that's going to happen going forward. You're going to see new platforms pop up. You're going to see the accessibility be a lot higher. Now with that, And I was talking to Rich, shout out to Rich Dotson, the Dynasty Nerds, a little bit about this after our Dynasty panel. And it was almost like, you know what, part of what I really appreciate about that panel about a lot of the people that were there is you could tell that there were some points that I made where a lot of people in the audience are just shaking their head like, yes, I I absolutely understand what you're saying. I totally agree. At the same time, there were some people that were kind of looking at me with like I had four eyes, like, what is he talking about? Like, I don't understand that context. And it isn't that they even disagree. It's just I might be talking on a plane that not everybody is listening to. You know, a lot of people still play one QB. A lot of people don't play any form of tight end premium. A lot of people don't play in any sort of weird scoring. A lot of people don't play in leagues that have 13 starters and 35 roster spots or dynasty best ball. There's a lot of things you can say that I can sit there and go, yeah, that's ingrained in my process. But a lot of it is still bias because of what I'm doing. You know, I've gotten to a point where those are the leagues I want to play in. So a lot of my process is going to stem towards focusing on that type of league. And you get into some of the theories about leverage trading and about liquidation. A lot of those things that I typically just talk about as principles, you know, things you're trying to do, even when your teams are almost where you want, you start talking liquidation, roster cloggers, leverage trading, roster construction, warp. It goes over a lot of people's heads. If they're still in the early stages of playing Dynasty, and I think that's one thing I need to do a better job as, and this is me just critiquing myself, is if I want to grow, if I want to be able to spread my message to a wider array of people, is I have to be better at either articulating it, but I think making it relate to those that are just starting. Because if you would have told me some of this stuff six, seven years ago, I would have kind of gone, you know what, that's interesting because that's just how my brain works. But I don't think I would have dove right in. It might have taken me a little while to get there. It might have taken me making some mistakes in my leagues and go, you know what, maybe I don't have the edge just because I'm following this creator who scouts players who think they have the magic formula to pick all the right players and know all the right stacks and whatever it might be. Maybe I got to go a little above and beyond that. Not that they're bad. It's just I want something a little bit more. So it might have taken even me a couple years to get to that point. So I think acknowledging that and just realizing, hey, I have the honor to be up with these other four great analysts at the expo talking to players in the crowd that, like I said, I knew some out there literally are lockstep with me, like my opponents in leagues, like literally listening to some of the stuff that I put out there, my content, whatever, and actively using it against me. And when I say me metaphorically speaking, someone that's in the same position that plays a portfolio that's been playing for a long time that has a process that's very, very process oriented. They're going, you know what, I want to take that in. I want to be able to go back to my league and beat the players that are like Scott, beat the players that are thinking at this, like that's the level that I'm on Then you have other people that are like, yeah, I just jumped into Dynasty. This is my first expo. And I want to hear more about Dynasty. And I just don't think I did a great job at relating those people. Now, the question is, as Dynasty continues to grow, where's going to be a lot of the growth from a content creation standpoint, just from the evolution of the game? I mean, sure, there's going to be that niche of people that are constantly chasing the biggest and baddest league, right? The next format. We've done all that stuff that's just second nature, point per carry, tight end premium, different QB scoring, just wacky stuff. And then what's next? Like that type of person that's in their 10th, 12th, 15th year of Dynasty, they're going to always be chasing something bigger, something better. That doesn't mean they won't like their typical league that they're in. Everyone kind of has their lane and they typically will stay in it. But I think the better thing to focus on is how do you relate to some of the newer players? And knowing that they're probably in Dynasty for a reason that isn't the same that you're in it right now, but you also have a new generation of Dynasty players that are the sleeper generation players that just started playing in 2019, 2020. We had so many Dynasty Leagues and new Dynasty players pop up during COVID. And that's true for a lot of things, but it's true in Dynasty. A ton of people are like, you know what? This is the time because I have more free time. I'm at home. You know, there really isn't much else to do. Whatever it might have been, I'm going to play some Dynasty. I'm going to jump into my first Dynasty League. So I think I have to acknowledge, and a lot of us veteran content creators have to acknowledge like that is where a lot of the growth is going to be. Now, that is also a generation that grew up entirely on social media. They grew up entirely doing everything on an app, like where their foundation is, is totally different than where mine was. And that's probably a person that is actively right away, maybe after a year, is immediately seeking the type of content that it took me five years to get to. Like things are just faster. They're evolving faster to where, yeah, this is only my third year of Dynasty. I've met some amazing people. I met some amazing people at the Expo that are already viewing the game and have a process that I would have never had. And they've only been playing Dynasty for a couple years. And to me, that just shows the growth is accelerating. So I think I need to be a better host, content creator, whatever it is at relating to those players, because that's where the growth is going to be in the industry. And at the same time, At the same time, you have the evolution of the players that have been around for a while. The evolution of players like myself and like Ray and many others that have been making content for a while that have played in a lot of leagues for a while that are going, you know what, what's the next evolution? And it's not just in what I can do with a new portfolio or joining a new league or anything like that, but getting into how can I make it easier for me to get to the point that I'm at now? Almost like, hey, it took me a while. To get to the point where i'm starting to play with roster construction and using the warp tool and understanding that there are people that are just getting into the game and that's where they start they're starting with that stuff they've already consumed that stuff they get to that way quicker than i did so you have this sector of people that have been in the space for a long time they've kind of acknowledged that hey we've reached i don't want to say a saturation point but we've reached a point where dynasty is big enough and it's only going to continue to grow but it's going to grow from a standpoint of how do you separate yourself from everybody else? Because we've already kind of acknowledged with immediate news, a lot of the stuff that you remember from a couple years ago doesn't really work anymore. Like you can say that it may work, like trading a player off preseason hype, you know, or buying a player low or selling a player high. I mean, that's the most basic examples I can give. But a lot of those are just talking points. They're not actually reality. And maybe in some leagues where it's really casual or there's no stakes. I mean, that happens all the time. But the idea is some of the things that we talked about five years ago, they just flat out don't even work just because there's way too much information. You know, there isn't that lag or edge of not having information. Everybody has it. Everybody has some way to evaluate something that has nothing to do with them just trying to perceive it in their own head. So you have a lot of people in this space And it's not just myself. It's not just Ray. It's not just South Harmon. A lot of people are trying to come up with ways to help organize your teams, to help value your teams. Trade calculators, they've been around for a while, but now you see the integration of trade calculators with these sites like Dynasty Daddy and Dynasty Planet. There's a ton of those that are out there like, you know what, trying to help you organize and get to a point where you're efficient faster. Then you add stuff like the warp tool and some of the stuff that's coming with that. It's literally giving you a roadmap of how to build your team. And I think that's the next thing that I'm predicting is going to be here much sooner than later in this space is I can see in a couple years, especially with the integration of AI doing stuff, there's going to be a point where we look up and it's not going to be fully automated, but you're going to look up and it's going to be really easy, almost just to follow a script, to build a team. And so then you're going to get to a point where, wow, I get into a league and everybody has the script. Everybody has the template. Everybody has kind of the roadmap of what direction to follow. And everybody's using some sort of roster construction principle or process. And it's not just they're getting their information about players or data or film or numbers from the same spot. They have all of that. Everybody has all of that. That may help you break your tie within the process or within the template that you're building your teams from. But everybody's using the template. Everybody's using the tool. Everybody's using the guide. And now there's going to be people that go, you know what, I don't want to use that. I just kind of want to go with gut feel. But that's starting to become few and far between. And I think a lot of the veteran players are starting to see it where, yeah, my process... Even if I'm a content creator, now there's a part of attrition that happens when you're a content creator, but you're also talking about your process. People take it, people use it against you, but that's to be expected. But now it's like, hey, I haven't even thought of doing that. There's been times where I've seen people do stuff and I go, I haven't really even talked about that, but other people are doing it and I'll take stuff from other people. So it's very, very process oriented out there. And I think that's only going to continue to grow, especially if you are one of the veteran players that is constantly seeking other players like that to play with. Because I will say, my most fun leagues are ones where people may not necessarily play exactly like me, but they have a process and they're actively focusing on it. They're willing to make a move within their process. The edge is that maybe my process might be more efficient, more aggressive, or better than theirs. But we're getting to a point where look across your leagues and you tell me how many people, let's talk leagues that have been around for at least three years. How many people seem to have a process today versus what they did in 2019, 2020? And I'll guarantee you it feels like there's more because the reality is there's more people. I can just tell with how many people ask strategy and process questions and have purchased the warp tool. That kind of level of commitment is different than what it was. So I think that's the future of the space is as things become more efficient, we're going to have things that are automated. We're going to have a roadmap in the form of tools and AI and different sites that essentially tell you what to do. So then you get to that point, you go, and how many times have I said this on content? I'm rambling a little bit, but it's just a fascinating topic coming off the expo, just seeing how many innovators are out there with ideas and they're just trying to figure out how can I become efficient? How can I actually get it out there in such a super saturated and competitive space? But I always talk about what if I got into a league, and I want everybody to pause and just think about this. Think about what your process is. You know where you stand from a dynasty player. You know where you stand from where you're at in terms of your experience, or how good you are, or how seriously you play the game. Is it just for fun, or are you somebody that's in... 10, 15 leagues, and you're really trying to manage, you're kind of like a portfolio, pause for a second and just sit back and think, what would I do if you said, I am joining a league with 11 other people like me? And I've phrased this question before, and I've kind of talked about it, but I want to dive into the idea a little bit more. Definitely next week when I have a special guest on, we'll be talking about this a little bit more. But just think about that. All of your leagues now are against... 11 other people like you. Every 12-team league you are in, there's 11 other people that are almost identical to you. Their process is exactly the same. What would you do? Just think about that. What would the edge be? Where would you go? I think inherently, most people know, and I believe it was Izzy at the Dynasty panel, made a great point that the edge still exists if you are the first to do something. If you were the first to take a leap in a certain direction, and that's immediately what I go to, is as things become more automated, accessibility is very easy when it comes to tools and roster construction guides. There's not an edge already with the player takes and all of that kind of stuff. That's already kind of been squashed to where there's not really an advantage. But what if all this other stuff that we're talking about today, everything I've talked about on Trades in Five and Dynasty and Chill and Destination Dynasty and Destination Chill, all of the process stuff that I've hammered home for the last three plus years. What if all of a sudden the masses catch up to that? Maybe not every single person. But instead of only like 10% a couple years ago, it's 60% in the next year. Then what? Where is my edge? Daily, my edge is eroding because people are starting to catch up. And really, and this is what I said to Rich at the end of the Dynasty panel, it makes me appreciate the array of different players, different thinkers, thinkers that go, you know what, I'm going to challenge you. Even if I say, hey, I don't really think that's optimal based on this data or that data, does it really matter? As that 60% gets closer to that mark, as it continues to grow, the person that's just playing differently has more of an edge by the day. And that's where I think we have to embrace as content creators. We have to embrace some of the newer Dynasty players because the reality is if we want to keep leagues healthy, if we want to keep the Dynasty space growing, not just as a content creator, but as someone that plays in a lot of leagues, I want to have new people joining. I want to play against new people. I want to play against, even if the new guy or the new gal that joins my league is better than the new person might have been a couple years ago, it doesn't matter. I need new blood in the game that are coming at it from a totally different perspective. We have to embrace that. We have to embrace the fact that there's a lot of variety. We talk about variance in fantasy football, but what about variance amongst managers? right? Like If you're playing 15 leagues, you don't want all of them to be the same. You want to play against different types of people with different approaches. So I think as this space goes more towards automation and tools where it's literally like hey somebody can go join i just found out over this weekend there's somebody in sleeper because you can filter by number of sleeper leagues and how many are dynasty how many are best ball etc there's somebody in sleeper that is playing in 1178 dynasty leagues and i just can't wrap my head around how that's possible but you know what there's somebody with a process there's people out there playing in hundreds of dynasty leagues and sleeper has allowed that sleeper has allowed that person the accessibility to join those leagues and play Dynasty on that scale never would have existed a couple years ago. There might have been one or two people. I remember a couple people that played on my fantasy league that were over 200. But that's few and far between. And now you have people playing on Sleeper over 100. A ton of people are over 100. Numerous people over 200, 300, 400. Somebody in a 1,178 Dynasty leagues. And you're just wondering how. So that's somebody that I want to go, you know what, what's the process? They clearly have a process. And if they're playing that many on Sleeper, they probably just started playing pretty recently. Maybe they played a little bit before, but they definitely didn't do that many on another platform. So I want to figure out, like, there's clearly somebody with a process there that I would love just to sit down and go, what's the process? Even if it's bad, they came into the game with that type of process that a lot of people that have played for a long time would have never come into with that type of approach. So just seeing that, having something like that actually exist makes me want to go, okay, I need to embrace the fact that there are new people coming into Dynasty. And even if they're not totally sure what they want to do, I bet you they're starting at a level that is much higher than it was before. But I also don't want to necessarily convert everybody to be like, hey, this is the dominant strategy. This is the process. There's no other way. Like you want to keep that differentiation amongst the community. You want different voices. And that's just something that I've been thinking about a lot. I know I've really rambled on on this topic, but just seeing the Expo this weekend and just seeing where the future is, I'm just picturing this dynasty space, this fantasy space where things become super efficient, very similar to what happened to DFS a couple years ago. And that's not something that I was ever super into, but just seeing how much data comes out. Because I like to tap into a lot of DFS shows during the season. Because you can learn a lot from the process, especially the last couple of years, and you just see how accurate some of the tools are—not just projecting like weekly projections from players, but now being able to project the ownership on players and doing the late swaps and really thinking about the edges. And the same with best ball. Like best ball, I don't want to say it's solved for, but over the last couple of years, you've seen so much content dedicated to best ball. You're going to get to a point in a year or two where. It's almost like I have a solver for best ball. The only thing I can't solve for is the variance that you're never going to be able to solve for in an NFL season. But we're getting there in terms of, okay, this is how to build your team. And coming next with things like the warp tool and whatnot, coming next is going to be, here's how to build your team versus the current market. And then down the road, it's going to be, here's how to build your current team with the current market and specific to your league. And then what? Once you have that laid out, and seven people in your league have access to it, where's the edge? And then maybe the edge goes back to, okay, everybody is solved. For this equation, there's six variables. Five years ago, only one of them was pretty much solved for. The other five, good luck. You know, solve for A, B, C, E, and F. Only D you're given the answer to. But everybody else has to solve for the other five variables. Whereas now, like, five of the six are solved for. Or four of the six are solved for in Dynasty. And the only thing that isn't solved for, and I'm speaking more towards a Dynasty game here, is obviously the week-to-week variance, the season variance, the injuries. You're never going to be able to predict that. That's the beauty of fantasy football, is no matter how efficient the game becomes, there's still that level of unpredictability that's going to exist. But for Dynasty, it goes to a next level. It's the future value of assets. It's playing the other managers in your league. Like that variance that's not just contained in a single season is also going to be a wild card you're never going to be able to fix. But when it comes to like a best ball season or a redraft season or DFS weeks, I mean DFS, you've seen this kind of solved for week to week, but imagine that spills over into redraft, season long, best ball. Like we're going to get there to where the tools are so good. The best players have the tools. They're using the tools. Now it doesn't mean they always win with them, but they're efficient. And I think that's the cool thing is once we get to that space, and it doesn't have to be 100%, but if it just gets to a point where it's more than the majority, so it's more than half, let's use that 60% number, does it start going back to now there's different ways to predict the market on players? It goes back to, all right, well, maybe the edge now swings back to trying to figure out how to pick the players better, how to manage the week-to-week variance. Like, that kind of thing we thought we could do before, realized we were inefficient at doing it, gave up on in the favor of a lot of the process and tools, maybe we go back to that and go, maybe that's where my edge can be. You know, but it's still a bad bet to say you're going to be for sure better, but at least it might be a spot where you dedicate a little more time and go, you know what, maybe the only difference between the 11 other Scots in a league is having the ability to pick the right players. And you go, you know what, I already kind of thought that was not an edge, but maybe it is if it's the only thing that differentiates myself between the 11 other players in my league. So something just fascinating that popped up. It's going to be very interesting to see where the future of this space goes and how we can attack that from a strategy perspective. Uh, Because I'll leave everybody with this, and then I'll continue with some thoughts after the ad for Underdog. But I think we're going to see this happen much quicker than we thought. And there's some things we've talked about like Ray and I last night talked about tight ends from Destination Chill and the future of the landscape at tight end. And that's just one thing. But once you see that start to trend, it becomes a macro trend that almost just becomes accepted by the community that outside of Travis Kelsey, there's no difference makers. So that means essentially the baseline is now much lower than what it used to be. But then what happens when everybody kind of acknowledges that and everyone just goes, all right, let's remove Travis Kelsey from the equation at tight end and then it quote unquote nobody else matters and then he's gone but if everybody now goes hey nobody else matters maybe the edge is trying to figure out how to find out who matters not just who matters in terms of i know it's mark andrews i know it's tj hawkinson but the next level is who matters at what price point do they matter and where's the highest warp? Or where's the highest advantage that you can get relative to everybody else? Because you know everybody else is using a similar process. And they're sitting there going, all right, I don't want just Mark Andrews. I want the best bang for my buck. They're using the warp tool. They have roster construction principles. They're balancing out the team where they have to pick three tight ends because they don't have a good one. with They're now sacrificing a running back or two in their running back, any running back on a 53 stable. So understanding that, it's going, all right, man, Maybe the edge is to go back to just try to pick the right players, just try to forecast future market value, just try to figure out how to crack the brain of the other player in my league and figure out what they're going to do next and just take the big swing that you're going to be able to predict it and get a step ahead. So just some thoughts after the break, I'm going to close the show talking a little bit about how to handle the preseason. It was something that came up a bunch this weekend with the first week of full preseason action in play. And we'll just kind of talk about ways that you can exploit the preseason now that everybody has access to all the same information that you're reading. So before we do that, we'll hear from Underdog.
0: Destination Dynasty is now sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. I'm gearing up for Underdog's Fantasy season-long best ball contest. It's a great way to put your best ball skills to the test against me and everyone else at the Destination Debbie team. The best part? If you use promo code CHILL when you sign up, you'll get a 100% deposit match up to $100. And if you deposit $10, you'll get access to strategize with us in the Destination Debbie Discord, where you can get additional stats, tips, and much, much more to dominate your drafts. What are you waiting for? Head over to underdogfantasy.com, sign up. Again, use promo code CHILL to get a 100% deposit match up to $100, and deposit your $10 to get access to the Destination debbie discord back to the show so
1: before we get into how to handle some preseason stuff i'm going to give some actionable takes on what i'm doing Uh, before i want to do that i want to challenge everybody reach out to me let me know if you had any thoughts if you attended the expo if you're vibing with any of the stuff that i talked about in this show this is literally just me talking from the heart. I have a passion about this stuff and really just wanted to talk this out for everybody here. I don't know if anyone will even enjoy this episode, but reach out to me if you have any thoughts. Like, where do you think the future of the space is headed? And what do you think we should do? Like, I want to engage on this topic because it isn't one that you really hear brought up. I was able to talk to like half a dozen people about this over the weekend but you don't see any content about this. And I don't see any reason why this can't be a topic of discussion because it is related to the game we play. So reach out, ask questions about it. If you want to talk about it in the future, you want to talk about it on a show, let me know. Like I want to talk about it a little bit more because it's relevant to all of us that play Dynasty. Now regarding the preseason, so this is the first preseason, and I don't want to say it's the first. I shouldn't say that because obviously last year, the year before, like like I said, 2020 dynasty changed in terms of the typical player that's signing up for leagues, but I think we're definitely at a point now where, at least for me, over the last couple of years, my consumption of the media has almost exclusively come in the form of discords, group mes, slack chats, twitters, social media, other platforms. It's never on TV per se. It's all through apps. It's all through websites. And a lot of times it's just through social media where I get it immediately. And so when you have the majority of people that that is how they're consuming their information, everybody sees that highlight that you're talking about. If they didn't see it in the first hour or two, they saw it later. They see it within 24 hours. So there's not really an edge when it comes to the preseason of, oh man, I'm going to sell this player for a second because he had a big game. I mean, certainly you can try that. It's like Tank Dell from over the weekend, right? You can get a second for Tank Dell. I can almost tell you it doesn't matter the format, you just take it. The liquidity is strong enough. Now maybe that's my bias or my opinion, but I think from where Tank Dell started as an asset, if you can get a second, then fine, just do it. Any format. Just the flexibility and the liquidity. If you tell me, hey, seconds don't matter in my league, I'll probably show you a league where Tank Dell doesn't matter. So I'd still rather have the liquidity. So the idea is, like, if you can get that, do it. But if you can't, then what? What does it mean when a player like that pops off in the preseason? What does it mean when this backup running back that you weren't even sure what their role is going to be has a huge game? Like, how do you evaluate that information? And I think you have to really look at it and say, okay, let me read kind of what everybody else thinks. Let me read what the beat writers are saying. Just let me come up with a take. Because with a running back, it's very easy. You can go, wow, that running back looked great. But it can also be two other running backs on their team didn't even dress. So maybe that running back looked great, but the plans are he's the fourth or fifth running back on the team. He might not make the roster. Then there's other ones and you go, yeah, that guy looked great and he's going to win the backup job. Like it can go both ways. So I think the idea is taking advantage of the preseason, not to sell quote unquote high. Sure. If you can do that fine, but good luck going out there and going, yeah, this player, I couldn't sell him yesterday and now I'm going to sell him for a premium. Like that's probably not going to work. But I think you have to have a sound process rooted in warp, rooted in roster construction, whatever it is, to be able to quickly look at, and this is why I talk so much about being player agnostic, is quickly looking at it and go, that's the prototype, that's the archetype, are there any tiebreakers with that running back or with that receiver that I should go, you know what, maybe I should lean on some player takes or some market preference maybe to break the tie. But if there's not, That's what I'm looking at the preseason as. It's not a window to sell high. It's a window to sell. It's a window to take advantage of the very short-minded dynasty player that exists now to where, sure, does that mean the player isn't going to be good or will be good? Has nothing to do with that. It's just simply taking advantage of a volatile market that spikes and peaks and then valleys week to week, month to month, taking advantage of, hey, you know what, I might be able to sell this player when before I couldn't. And I think that's how I'm going to use the preseason. I'm going to really dive in and I want to do some shows. Maybe I'll do this during the season. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what the in-season content is going to look like. There's going to be a mix of a lot of the data stuff that I did last year. But I want to also talk some portfolio strategy and not just hypothetical portfolio strategy in the offseason. I could sit here and go through my entire portfolio and go, these are the roster percentages that I typically like in this range, whatever, whatever. But it's the off season; Nothing is really moving at a pace where I can't keep up. But how do the true portfolios manage it during the season when everybody else is reacting and I'm sitting here going, man, week to week, I don't want to be overexposed or underexposed. But I think in that type of game where things change so quickly, what you're actually losing if you don't sell a player like Isaiah Spiller or Ty Chandler, or someone like that, it isn't that you're actually losing out on a profit, you're losing out on the opportunity just to liquidate. So you have to really run that analysis through your head of, okay, is this replaceable? Is it not replaceable? Is there a way I can get there cheaper? Is there a way I can pick up a replacement on waivers? Is there going to be a time down the road where this type of asset's going to be cheaper? We I mean, just think about the example of Ty Chandler, right? Like Ty Chandler looked great in his first preseason game. The expectation is he's the favorite to be the backup. But if you can sell Ty Chandler for a third in a roster spot or a third in another running back, like that's the easiest example of it just being a layup. And When can you buy? And you may go, you know what? I love Ty Chandler's profile. He looks really good. The Vikings are going to be a good offense. They're going to throw a decent amount. Maybe he'll end up being the passing downs guy. Like you can tell yourself five different narratives as to why you don't want to sell Ty Chandler for a third or even a third in another body. But think about when can you also get access to another player similar to him? Probably in week two when a player similar to like him isn't getting any run. Like, they will be available, and you couldn't have done that a couple of years ago. People would have gone, hey, you know what, I'm going to hold Ty Chandler for a month, two months, the whole season, and I'm never really going to dump him for that reason. But as running back processes start to evolve, you're going to find a Ty Chandler that just not getting any run in Week 2, and the access to that player all of a sudden opens right back up. And that's just taking advantage of the fact that you know people are going to be a lot more short-sighted than they might have a couple years ago. So that's what I'm really looking to do in the preseason. It is not about just, I'll oh, sell before the floor falls out or buy before the roof gets blown through. Like, I'm not looking to do that. It's not getting greedy. It's not about, well, if I'm not selling for less than a second. Yet the market probably says, hey, it's a third and another player that has a similar profile or a third and another running back body, or I give you a third in the player, you give me a second. Like that's probably the true market. But just think about the market is going to exist for a much narrower time than it did before and other markets are going to be emerging. So I think that speaks to having flexibility, having liquidity is more valuable in today's game of immediate gratification and quick reactions than it ever has been before. And that's why it leads more into being able to take advantage of that. Like you always want to be the person that has money in the piggy bank, where you can always go to the market and say, you know what, I didn't like the market last week, but I like it this week, because that's going to happen. That's going to happen in the new era of Dynasty where it's week to week. You have a lot of players that are very reactionary, and it's just human nature. It's human nature on a Sunday to watch Red Zone and be on Twitter and literally be reading hundreds, if not thousands of opinions on what happened and go and say, you know what? I'm going to make some moves. All the good Dynasty players, all the content creators absorb a lot of that, and then they go to whatever platform they have and say, you know what? Where can I separate myself? And sometimes it's just what everybody else is doing, but it's what am I going to do? And so I think it's just using the preseason to think about how you're going to react versus how everybody else is going to react once they start reacting during the season and getting ahead of it and having those principles in mind and being able to react, getting ahead of everybody else. And just knowing that there's going to be more opportunities than ever that come along. So that's what I'm doing in the preseason. Certainly, I'm going to look through and find players that have gotten buzz or that I know there's a market that didn't exist a week ago and just banking that there's going to be future markets that I'm going to want to speculate into. So that's how I'm using the preseason. A lot of the principles that I've talked about in the past, which leverage trading and that kind of stuff. Still apply, especially now that we're operating in a lot of leagues with more roster spots. Like most of my leagues don't have to cut down until before the season. So take advantage of those spots. Understand the value of a roster spot. Understand the value of maybe liquidating a piece and getting to pick up a player while rosters are still expanded. So think about that. That's what I'm doing for the preseason. Again, this is all process-oriented. If you really, really like Ty Chandler and you just can't stomach selling the three shares that you have, fine. But just acknowledge that's why you're not selling and be okay with it. It's okay if you go, you know what, that's a bias. I've identified it and I'm going to go against the process. I'm not going to liquidate forever X, Y, and Z reason. And that's okay. That's okay to have that opinion. It's okay to have those moments. Even I do it. And I was just talking about last night on Destination Chill. Like I am probably the most agnostic dynasty player there is. But if you really, really drilled into some of those biases that I know still exist... And sometimes I don't even want to confront them, but they're there. When I have to make those decisions, there might be a little bit of bias that is behind that decision or behind my thinking. And I don't even acknowledge it until maybe somebody else calls me out on it. And I go, you know what? Yeah, I got to put myself in check on that. So just think about that. That's what I'm doing in the preseason. I don't think the preseason is just this wild market where you can sell and buy everything. If anything, what I've talked about in today's show, with more people having to process, and more people having all the information, you're actually going to see less moves. You're going to see less moves based on reactionary news in the preseason because ultimately the results don't matter, right? We're not scoring points. You're not getting wins or losses. You're not contributing whether you win or lose money in your league. And I think that's the difference. So be prepared for that. It's going to be here soon. Uh, We're less than a month away from the full NFL week one being in the books other than obviously the Monday night game. Excited for it. Check out everything coming at Destination Patreon.com slash All Gas. New website launching very, very soon. Anybody that will be in Las Vegas, I wanted to put that out there. Anybody in Vegas, anybody that happens to listen to this, going to FFPC or any of the other high stakes redraft leagues, I will be out in Vegas from September 5th to September 12th. And even if it's only one or two people, if you're going to be out there, hit me up. I'm going to be doing some content. Uh, but more importantly, just want to meet people, um, kind of talk shop, talk dynasty, talk redraft, talk football, whatever it is. But if you're going to be out there, hit me up and we can talk. And as I said earlier, have a very special guest coming next week. We'll be diving into some of these topics. It'll be more of a back and forth discussion. It's not just me rambling on what I think the space is going to look like, uh, but I want to dive into some of these topics with another content creator that has been around for a while. Um, has had some stuff that's really influenced how I play Dynasty. I uh, would love to just go back and forth on this subject, talk a little about the future of the space, the future of the consumers, and the future of Dynasty players. So, with that, until next week, I will go ahead and sign off. There's a rumor going down about
0: me and you, stirring up-